Hey man, what's going on family? Hey, it's good to be with you guys this morning. It was fun to sing with you. It's a great energy in the room. Um, I got a confession to make right off the top. Okay? I kind of asked to come here and preach to you guys. Um, you know, I, I didn't come down for, for a great reason. Uh, my great uncle passed away. And uh, it was Uncle Bob Adams, my dad's uncle. And I heard a lot of stories about him growing up. And uh, so his memorial was this weekend, and I was coming down and going to see my parents who live in Seattle. And I'm, of course, with my family in Pullman, Washington. And so I said, hey, Daniel, I'm going to be down here. I'd love to connect. And, uh, you know, if you don't have a preacher, Sunday, if you want a break, I'm about to preach. So thank you for the opportunity to preach. Uh, I've had a great time seeing some family and hearing about my uncle's life, uh, my great uncle's life. And uh, thank you to uh, Dennis and Renee for hosting me. Hearing about them, uh, you guys probably know this, but you got some gems right here uh, who have been through and seen a lot in the church uh, in many years. And so it was really cool hearing some of those stories and picking their brains. Um, and, you know, Eugene has been an inspiration to us on the Palouse for a long time. Uh, this is when we first planted our church. This is the weekend of, uh, I want to say September 10th, 2015. You can see a little bit, uh, but we're all up there praying. We actually, this hill, we kind of trespassed to go up there and pray. So, uh, you know, that's, that's what it started. Okay. That's a little bit about the church there. Um, but anyway, that, that was our first weekend. And, uh, this was just after I think Eugene had been planted and I got to know Daniel and Stacy just from, uh, going to ICMC and one year challenge mixers. And you guys by far had the best one-year challenge plan of anybody oh, <laughs> ever. Oh, and uh, it's really cool to see how God used the Boyds and you guys and uh, all those that came for the one-year challenge to build um, and share the gospel with people. Yeah. And now, of course, the Boyds going to Portland and mm-hmm. you guys taking over the church. We've been following and praying. And uh, Daniel, I appreciate about you is just your friendship, bro. Just a great friend. Um, we talk about all sorts of goofy stuff and challenging stuff. Um, been there for me and my life and talking about ministry and marriage and, and everything. So thank you. Uh, and of course, now you guys, uh, an exciting new chapter, right? Yeah. Not easy, uh, but exciting. And um, so we'll be praying for you guys. And, uh, and, and about this time, we went down and visited Yos and Corvallis. And I've just loved Yos Vaughn first time I met him. That's kind of the only time we really hung out. But been following you, excited for you. Congrats on getting married. Let's go. Um, Yeah, you know, it's been a minute, so congrats. Something just changed. Hey, okay, nice, nice. Uh, But yeah, so that so that's about this time frame, and uh, and then this was a a pivotal day. This is um, Abby, now Mackie, who came up to a one-year challenge in Pullman, um, and then she ended up marrying Brian Mackie, who was in Spokane. And uh, this day was February 13th, 2020. Nice. This is the day before everything got shut down. <laughs> wow. Uh, in fact, I remember someone at this wedding was from China. You shared, like, where you're from. He's like, I'm from China. And everyone, you know, at that time was like, oh, my gosh. You know? <laughs> so that was a pivotal day. But, man, so much has changed since that day. You know what I mean? It's been such a crazy chapter in, uh, in our world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I want to say, like, just being here is... That's what Eugene has meant to us. That's what you've meant to us, whether you know it or not. And uh, it's encouraging to be with you guys. Uh, It's encouraging to spend time with you and sing with you. So 
Um, a couple other little pictures just to give you an idea of, of life where we are. This is uh, some of our campus at a swim meet, um, hanging out on campus at Wazoo. This is uh, my daughter, Ella. Um, this is Jonah and Amber Melkert and their daughter, Hattie. They came from Seattle and uh, they came over to, to serve and ended up leading our campus for a while. And uh, Jonah's now self-supporting, working. Um, Amber's still um, helping lead the campus. And so that's some of our campus there. And then uh, this is a, a baptism of a young man named Jabe right here. Uh, this is where we, we do our baptisms in the Snake River. It's pretty awesome. We're like, you know, you, you could get baptized. We go to a, a, a trough if you want. You know, troughs are awesome. But then we're like, but do you want to go to the Snake River? And people are like, yeah. And so uh, this was recent. This was the end of April, I think. And this is some of our church family here. You might recognize Nicole Wamsley. You guys remember her, the Wamsleys? So they came during COVID. And we're like, yeah. And then, you know, it was tough to, to just really build deep relationships. But we started. And then they just moved back to the west side. Um, so, you know, so we have that in common. Both of us have said goodbye to the Wamsleys. Amen. Uh, but that's a little bit about our church. And then this is uh, my fam. This is my wife, Katie, on the left. And uh, she's from Kansas City. And um, this is my son, Luca. He is 11. And if you're a fan of basketball, I know there's a coach. He may not be here today. There's a basketball coach. So this is like pretty good defense. His hand should be up. Okay, but it's every, like good stance, but active hands are needed. Um, and this is my daughter, Ella. And this is her big sister in dance. Ella loves dance. I'm going to talk about her a little bit later. Um, she's awesome, uh, but a little wild. And, um, and so, yeah, my wife has just been awesome. She's had my back. Um, she is definitely like the light and heartsy and people are like, oh yeah, you know, you met Brian, great, but you gotta meet Katie. Uh, that's kind of how she rolls. So she's, uh, she is awesome. But, oh, and then this is our COVID dog. Uh, we got a dog in COVID. We're like, we'll never get a dog. This is Bosa and we got him. He's just like this. And, um, and you know, I, actually missed Bosa this weekend. <laughs> I missed him. I didn't get to sleep much better, but this is my dog, Bosa. He's a cane corso, and he is a sweetheart. Uh, he just looks not a sweetheart, um, which I kind of like. So we are going to be parked in Luke chapter 10 today. Um, the title of the sermon is Martha, Martha. And uh, before I pray and get started with the lesson, if you, could, if you could just yell out one word to describe how you're doing this morning. Excited. Good, tired, great, excited. Yeah. Refreshed. Refreshed. Did someone say not? <laughs> not great. Not great. Okay. Yeah, ungreat. Yeah. Ungreat. Yeah. Right. Un One word. Ungreat. Okay. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. It's funny how you can come in in different places, right? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I, I pray that uh, as you know, as we leave and as our time here, that you would leave in a better place than when you arrived. Amen. I'll say a prayer and we'll get into the lesson here. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you. Uh, God, I just thank you for how you've worked and are working and will work in this Eugene church family. God, uh, I thank you for the connection and the friendship and uh, the energy in the room this morning. God, I know that on, on Sunday mornings, God, sometimes the hardest thing could be just to get to church. And we are here. We've had a chance to worship you. We've been welcomed. We're going to hear your word, and I pray, God, that I would not get in the way of your message, 
that I would get out of the way of your message, and that this, uh, the teachings about Martha, about Mary, and about Jesus here would inspire us, God. That would, uh, they'd stick to the ribs of our souls, God. Uh, that we'd be, we'd be inspired um, to emulate uh, Mary's focus. We'd be inspired to think about the moments we sit at the foot of Jesus. And we'd leave here in a better spot, God. I pray you'd navigate the steps for the lotter box as in their preparation, God, and help help this chapter to be um, everything, you know, sad, happy, excited, um, you know, mourning, lamenting, and a celebration of this chapter, God. And I pray for the future chapter here, uh, this church family. I pray they know that we have their backs up in the Palouse, God. Father, we love you. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're in Luke chapter 10. You guys there? Okay, I'm not putting the whole scripture there, so you're going to have to go like, you know, turn there or flip there. Um, but I'll start here in Luke chapter 10, and the context is important, right? Anytime we're in the Bible, context is king. So right before this, just so we know, Jesus has sent out the 72. And one of my favorite things he says when he sends out the 72, he says, whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. And the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And I love that they went out, but they returned with joy. Because as disciples, I think we go out and it can be challenging and tough and an adventure, but we want to also have joy at the same time. And so I love that about this story. Then we have the parable of the Good Samaritan, which is, a, which is an awesome parable. Right. Uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan is like, wow, Jesus is, is talking highly of a Samaritan. Oh, my gosh. You know, and then the story challenges us to go the extra mile to serve others. And then right after the passage we're going to read, he teaches on prayer. We're like, interesting. There's a lot of stuff going on here. What is he talking about in these four verses that we're going to read this morning? So in verse 38, the Bible says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Okay, now again, this is only four verses. We're going to break it down bit by bit. But from the very beginning, it's pretty awesome that Mary and Martha, that Martha specifically opens her home to Jesus. You know, if you've ever opened your home for somebody, right? You know what I'm talking about, Dennis? Amen. It's not easy. They're like, here comes, I'm going to open my house. This person might be smelly. They're going to mess stuff up. Like, you know, if you're opening and welcoming someone into your home when you have house churches and all that, you have people over, you know, it's not just like easy. So I'm like, okay, awesome. Martha opened her home to him. That's awesome. And then her sister Mary sits at the Lord's feet and she's listening to what he said. And the, the words here are important because... There's an idea of this term called studied under. You ever heard that? Yeah, I studied under this person or studied under this person. And in fact, Paul says in Acts that he studied, studied under Gamaliel. And we know Paul was like a genius and really smart. And so studied under basically means to sit at the feet of. So Mary is studying under Jesus. This is all also important because at this time... Jesus is sending a message that women are to learn from Jesus directly 
to understand his teaching and be educated and instructed in his ways. And you go, yeah, of course. But back then, this is a big deal. <laughs> He's like, yes, women can study at the feet of Jesus. Amen? Can I get an amen to that? That is awesome. So he's communicating a lot, even in these two verses. Now we see here that Mary, I'm going to call focused Mary, because Mary and Martha are, you know, the names are similar. So focused Mary. She's learning and focused at the feet of Jesus. What does it mean to you to be sitting at the feet of Jesus? I know sometimes you guys ask questions and have some response in service, right? So if you have an answer to that, feel free. What does it mean to you to sit at the feet of Jesus? Nothing better. Hold on, stop, stop. This is a sermon. Oh. <laughs> okay. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. That's exactly what we're going to talk about. Okay? That's the first point. That's the second point. Thanks for coming, you guys. Here we go. No, no, no go ahead with what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, like, and having a sense of self-control. Everything else is, is second best. To, like, this is top priority. Okay. I love those. We're just going to move with those. Um, the idea of there's no, nothing better. Nowhere else I'd rather be. Um, but then also the idea of being undistracted. Uh, I love it. My favorite moments in my little life have been undistracted at the foot of Jesus. And, I mean, I could list off a bunch. But you know what? I, when, it, when you're in prayer and, and you're just sitting there like you're desperate for some Jesus. Um, in his presence. One of those, I was studying the Bible. I did a study called the Sin Study, Galatians 5, learned about sin. I went down the line, I was like, oh, check, 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 check. I'm doing all these sins. And then for the first time, someone in my life said, do you want to respond and deal with your sin? I was like, oh, oh, this is participation <laughs> sport. You know, I didn't know that. I, I kind of was thinking I would just kind of be with Jesus and having a, a loophole, you know, in the system or the back door or something. But, oh, I have a response to make. So I wanted to deal with my sin. But I said, I made a deal with God in my mind. It was a fair deal. And I said, I'm going to go out one more time. And I, I went one more night. I was working at a music store because in the um, early 2000s we had CD stores. And I stole music equipment, and I had done this probably 30 times, 40 times. But this time, I made a big, a big take, because it was my last time, and I got caught. I had never gotten caught. And my manager came back early, she forgot something, and she was like, what are you doing? And it was like my foot was held to the fire. Not only in reality, but I got into my car, and I started driving home, and I started crying. I was 19, I really never cried. And I just, you know, I remember thinking, I felt at the foot of Jesus that he was real, that he was saying, like, you don't need any more from this life, stop. And also, like, I thought I was kind of cool, I was a pretty ugly guy inside. But it was like the best, 
Because I was like, well, I know what I need to do. Like, no more stealing. No more all the list of sins I was doing, you know, between alcohol and mistreating women. And I lied about everything. But it was like I had this special spot at the foot of Jesus. And there's been many times like that. Just one more is uh, my wife. I mentioned she's like, she's got my back. Um, in fact, I used to coach high school basketball. And if any of the parents said something about me, she would like deal with it in the bleachers, you know. Um, but we had just been married. We were in Missouri in a campus ministry. We just loved it. We had graduated. And it was a dream to play overseas uh, professional basketball. And so I kind of just gave that up. But it would come up as we were praying. And I'd say, you know, I leave it at the foot of the cross. And she was like, well, let's just pray about it and see what God does. So we start praying about it. And after six or seven months, we get an offer to go play. And we're like, where? My agent goes, Jerusalem. Wow. I'm like, wow, Jerusalem? So we tell the church, and then half the church is like, no, you shouldn't go. You know, and half the church is like, yeah, you should go. Like, live your life. And, um, and so we prayed, and we're at the foot of Jesus. What do we do? Ever been there? At a crossroads? What do we do? There's no sign in the sky. You're just relying on whatever Jesus tells you at the foot. And we went. Turns out it was in a refugee camp with 50,000 Muslims. And uh, we didn't know that piece. But, you know, it was an amazing adventure. And they were amazing people. And God used that to teach us so much. But those are just examples. When, when nothing else matters and you're just completely dependent on learning from Jesus at his feet. Amen? Okay, back to the scripture. Let's continue. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. This is where we start to call Martha. This is busy Martha. Focused Mary. Busy Martha. Busy Martha's desire to serve well leads to distraction and annoyance. I feel like that's a challenging statement. I'm going to say it again. Busy, busy Martha's desire to serve well leads to distraction and annoyance. Do you ever get distracted with acts of service so much that you miss what Jesus is trying to tell you. I do. <laughs> Usually pretty early in the morning, I do. She's so focused on running around. I get it, right? I mean, it's Jesus. And so she's like, okay, I got to make the house right. I got to get this ready. I got to cook. I got to do this. And then she's like, what is my sister doing? I get it. Because we work hard. And, and usually, hopefully, it's, it's for others or it's in the name of Jesus we work hard. Right? feel like we work hard, I'm getting up, I'm, I'm working hard, and I want to work hard for God. But when I sit and think about it, sometimes I'm working hard for my own validation, so at the end of the day I can go, oh, I worked hard today. Or I'm working hard to please others, maybe so they think I worked hard. Um, and sometimes it's not actually about me and Jesus. The result is Martha gets annoyed. It boils over. She basically thinks Jesus is complicit in what's happening and then accuses him of not caring and tells him to fix it. And we read it and go, oh, my gosh. But I think sometimes we probably feel the same way with Jesus. 
Busy Martha is clearly confused. How do I know this? Well, she tries to tell Jesus what to do. <laughs> Can you imagine? She's like, Jesus, tell my sister to help me, right? Like, whoa, 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 Martha, chill. But she's confused. You know, confused is a theme. Not only in the Bible, but it can happen in our lives. My daughter, you guys saw Ella. Ella gets confused sometimes. Here's what Ella will do. So if our kids eat their dinner, they get a popsicle. It's fair, fair deal, right? You get a popsicle if you finish your dinner. And what Ella will do is she'll get her popsicle, and then she'll wait, and she'll see me distracted on my phone or something, and she'll, she'll pronounce, I'm going to get two scoops of ice cream. <laughs> so it's like not a question. But she knows I'm distracted, and so if I'm not listening to her, I'm just like, uh-huh. And then she gets it out, she starts scooping her ice cream, and then she eats it. And then I'm like, whoa, Ella! And she's like, I told you, and you, you didn't say anything, so I just did it. I'm like, okay, you're confused. Okay? You're confused. You didn't ask permission. You're just doing this. You're nine. Slow down. Okay? And the other thing is, no, you're not going to do that, Ella, because that's going to make your stomach sick. And then sometimes it does. She'll literally have a stomach ache, and then she'll be like, oh, I messed up. I'm like, I told you. Shouldn't have done that. Ella gets confused sometimes, too. Confusion is a theme in the Bible. Adam and Eve. Did he really say you can't have the fruit? How about the Israelites wandering the, wandering the desert, and we lived in the Holy Land, and I'm telling you, that, that area, they say, should, should have taken the Israelites about two weeks to walk. But how long do they wander? Yeah, that'd be confusing, right? <laughs> I, a little confusing just finding, you know, how to get to Eugene. Imagine wandering a desert with no GPS for, for 40 years. You're like, isn't it close? I feel like we should be there, right? It's confusing. Confusing is the theme today. Just take last week, okay? I mean, let's be honest. At this point in our time, people are confused about things like gender. I'm on social media. Some people aren't. Amen for that. Strong to not do that. I like going on social media, seeing what's going on. Um, but I'm just going to take Twitter this past week. The number one trending video on Twitter. Has anyone known the last week? It, it was uh, 125 million streams. The title is What is a Woman? That's the number one video trending on Twitter. Uh, another thing on Twitter. Maybe you guys saw this. Um, people went into a store... And they stole stuff. And the people that worked at the store were like, stop! And they didn't stop. So then the people that worked at the store called the police. Well, the owner of the store file, fired the employees because they called the police on the people that stole stuff. So I'm like, wait, I'm confused, <laughs> right? Like, that, that happened. And then they, they interviewed the owner. He doubled down. He goes, yeah, if people take stuff, no telling on them, um, no calling the police. Wow. There was a video of an alien in Las Vegas. Oh, Anyone else see that? Am I the only one that saw that? I'm like, oh, the Nephilim? Are the Nephilim back? <laughs> we got it? Okay, that's an Old Testament joke. But maybe you read the Old Testament and get confused. Uh, and the last one, this is all stuff really on uh, in our media, is there was uh, ash in the sky in New York. Did you guys see that? Did you guys get ash down here? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's not, it's not cool, right? You're trying to go outside. It it's kind of gives you headaches and stuff. We get in Pullman. So New York's getting ash. 
And then there's a sign for either a movie or a game called Diablo, uh, which is another word for Satan. And then the, the tagline to it is, Welcome to Hell, New York. And there's just a picture of it. And I'm going, are people wanting to go to hell? <laughs> this sounds like people are confused. Mm-hmm. Okay, so are you guys with me on the confused part? Yeah. Okay, so it's not just in the Bible. It's not just um, Martha. It's today. The good news. Uh, let's not stop there. I see some young marrieds in the room. How many young marrieds have uh, little babies? Okay. Um, when you have a kid... You get a little confused on how to do stuff. Uh, for instance, we had our first baby. We came home, and it, was, it had a little congestion in its little nostrils. And so I was like, all right, I'll stay up all night, and I'm going to watch every breath. And then in the morning, you take the shift, and you watch every breath. And my wife's like, aren't you going to work in the morning? I'm like, yeah, 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 we got it, you know? And then I remember I was just struggling getting to church and someone grabbed me and he's like, bro, you're going to be confused for like six months, but don't worry, it'll be okay. <laughs> so like young marriage, you get confused too with babies running around. Um, we go through things and we get confused and, and learning how to be married and how to stay married, it, that can be confusing. I just want to encourage us that Jesus has a way of making things clear. He has a way of making things clear. One example that we mentioned Israelites walk, wandering in the desert. Here's, here's what God says about it in Deuteronomy. You don't have to turn there. But in Deuteronomy 8.2, God says about the Israelites wandering and being confused. The Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. Why? To humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart. Whether or not you would keep his commands, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord God disciplines you. God's like, yeah, I led you in there. And yeah, I... You had to live off my word. And yeah, I gave you manna. You just made it. But you learned to be humble. And you're okay. You got the same clothes on, you know? That'd be kind of nasty. But he's like, you're okay. Your, your clothes didn't wear out. Your feet aren't broken. You're okay. Because I love you as a child, I discipline you. Jesus has a way of making this clear, though, because this sounds a little bit like Jesus. You ever heard the thing where you can see Jesus pop up in the Old Testament? Okay, so in the, in the Old Testament, we just read that. In the New Testament, Matthew 4, 1, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You ever fasted for a day? Gotten hangry? (laughs) Jesus is there for 40 days. Like the Israelites, 40 years. He's 40 days in the wild. He's fasted. It says he's hungry. But he's not confused. And he quotes the same passage that God was teaching the Israelites. Jesus gets that. He's not too confused. He's not distracted. 
he communicates, you're not going to confuse me, Satan. I live off God's word. See, that's Jesus, and that's why we go to Jesus, because he doesn't get confused. That's why we go to him, and we do decide, you know what, I'm going to carry my cross. I'm going to deal with my sin. I'm, I'm going to be motivated to do this, because Jesus, he understands, he doesn't get confused, and I want to emulate him. I want to transform to be more like him. Even this word, it's not, people don't like this word. I'm going to conform to Jesus. Then we read, wow, he went to the cross, died for me. I want to sit at his feet and just soak him up because Jesus has the answers to make it clear. We don't tell him to do what we want. Okay, like this is where it's like, okay, come on, Martha. She tells Jesus, hey, go tell my sister. We don't, that's not our role to be like, hey, Jesus, go do what I tell you. We don't tell him we're just going to do what we want, right? Jesus, I'm just going to do this. We want to seek his will. And lastly, we for sure don't tell him we're going to get popsicles and two scoops of ice cream because <laughs> it's bad for our stomachs. Amen. So that's why Jesus has a way of making it clear to us. And he makes it clear to Martha. And here's where the title is. Verse 41, he says, Martha, Martha. Now, this is where I, I love to nerd out, and I just want to see what was the tone. What was the tone of this Martha, Martha? Let me, I'll read the whole thing first. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Bless you. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. He starts off like Martha, Martha. And I wonder, was it, you know, like a calm, like, ah, oh, Martha, Martha. Or was it like, Martha, Martha! Or was it, you know, just kind of like, huh? Martha? Martha! <laughs> I don't know. These are the things I stay up at night thinking about. But I'm just like, what was the tone? And then I, I go, what is he trying to teach me? Like, Brian, Brian. <laughs> Daniel, Daniel. You know, Dennis, Dennis. What would he say to me? Jesus says to busy Martha, you're too worried and upset. Only one thing is needed. Another word for this translation is only one thing is essential. You are worried and upset about many things. Would he say that to you? They go, yos, yos. You are worried and upset about too many things. Only one thing is essential. What is that? Being at my feet. There's nothing better. Now, what's great is he says this will not be taken from her, almost like a portion. You know, Mary's po portion will not be taken from her. Portion, another word for that is, is your lot. A portion of land is your lot, right? So this, this lot, this place, this special connection that she has with him will not be taken. And I think that rings true for us. That, that place, what I was talking about, wherever, you know, when you have those moments, you're at the foot of Jesus, it won't be taken from you. And I can remember uh, one of the roughest times I was in campus. You ever have something that happens, basically like you mess up, 
and then it flips your whole paradigm on how you see discipleship. Anyone had any of those moments? Or is everyone here perfect and just doesn't sin? Oh, you guys sin too? Okay. I'm in the right church. Okay. So I remember being um, totally messed up in sin. Repenting. Everyone knew in our church, maybe 80 people, everyone kind of knew I, was me- I, I messed up in sin. And, but my, I was reading the Bible for the first time. And those times were so good. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm jacked up. But dude, I've been reading the Bible and like, I know I need to repent now. It's not, uh, I'm not confused. And I'll go to church and people be like, oh, bro, yeah, how are you doing? And I was like, you know, the truth was I didn't, I didn't know where I was going to work. I didn't have a job and just totally messed up and didn't have a lot of money. And I was like, but I'm pretty good. <laughs> Having great times with Jesus. Like I'm doing good because no one could take that. Okay, I messed up. Okay, I don't have a job. Okay, I don't have money, but no one can touch my times with Jesus. That's free. And I don't have to be employed there. I can just sit there and I can just soak it up. I don't have a job, so I'll just read my Bible. No one can touch that. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that you really, I hope you're repenting. I am. I'm good. Thanks. You can't mess with what's going on with me and Jesus, though. So you can feel guilty for me. I don't feel guilty anymore, actually. I had golly sorrow. I'm going through it. Appreciate you. It's the best. Discipleship involves undistracted time at the feet of Jesus. Mary has it right. Jesus notices it, and then he warns Martha. Okay, talked a lot about those four verses. Two thoughts on what to do with all this. Number one, a loving union with Jesus. It's been said that you preach a sermon 24-7, 365. Everyone's got their own pulpit. I listened to a guy named Pete Scazzaro, and he teaches on emotionally healthy leadership. And he says, if you want to lead a good lesson, then the first thing you should do before you come up with your points and your passage and your, your thought is go spend time with Jesus. So if our life is preaching a lesson 24-7, it's so important to spend quality time with Jesus. Before we prepare and do things for Jesus, Spend quality time with Jesus. Ask yourself today, am I slowing down to stop for the loving union with Jesus? Not slowing down to stop and just sit on the couch and just watch stuff, but really have this time with Jesus. I also watch, um, I do watch things like Hulu, Netflix, and stuff like that. There's a documentary on Hillsong. Has anyone seen that? Oh my gosh. It's crazy. It's, it's really interesting, Hillsong. And they have this really amazing worship, right? Um, and they had a, a church that is, they had 150,000 people every Sunday coming through an arena and a gifted speaker, Carl Lentz, he's doing seven services. He's preaching seven times, guys. I don't know, that's crazy. He's preaching seven times to 150,000 people. He's friends with all these you know, big hot shots and, uh, and athletes. And he's having multiple affairs for five years. And as a, as a preacher, I'm like, whoa, how? Surely as he's preaching and telling people what to do, he knows where he's at. So it's this really interesting thing, right? But then he comes back. If you watch it, he comes back and does interviews after all this blows up. So he gets, he gets fired. And then he, he just disappears from social media and preaching. He comes back for these interviews and 
he's totally owning his sin. And he, he looks a little older, you know what I mean? Little, he's, he's weathered. <laughs> okay? But he sounds and looks at peace with the work he needs to do with Jesus. So I'm like, let's go, bro. Repent, get it right. Because he looks like he's in a better place with nobody coming to his church and not preaching because he's good with Jesus than 150,000 people coming and hearing his message. A loving union with Jesus. The key is to be undistracted, and I feel like that's a new superpower. Can I be undistracted? That's why I read, I read from a um, hard, hard copy. Because when I'm on my phone, I start to get into something juicy in the Bible, and then it's like, boop, boop, boop. Or my brain goes, squirrel, you know. Undistracted. And guys, I don't have practicals for that. I don't know what that looks like, but for you, this is what I do. How, how do you get undistracted in his presence? Whether it's talking to him, listening, meditating, dreaming, asking questions. Undistracted with Jesus. So that's the first thought, a loving union. The second is our portion is Jesus. So our lot, our destiny, our destination is time with Jesus. That's our, our treasure. It's essential. No one can take that away. What is born from this? What is born from this loving union and our lot being with Jesus. This is my theory. You may not agree, and that's okay. But my theory is this. What makes an experience great in a church? Is it the city? Is it the size of the church? I think what makes an experience great in the church is two things. That person's experience with Jesus and that person's relationships with people. That's it. Our church was 15 people our first year. Small church. Cool experience. <laughs> Great relationships. We're all fighting. And we've had times where our church was, you know, 100 people come in on Sundays, 50 members, and really tough. So I'm like, I don't just look at a bigger church and go, I want to be like that. But at the same time, maybe you do have great experience with Jesus and relationships in that church. But I think those are the ingredients that makes it great. That's what I've seen in Seattle. That's what I've seen in Missouri. I've seen that in Jerusalem, Seattle again, and I've seen that on the Palouse. It's loving God and loving people, specifically your experience with Jesus and your relationships with people. The Strongs, Mac Strong and Zoe Strong, they left Pullman in COVID. Um, and I'll just say, you know, Mac played for the Seahawks. He can go a lot Georgia of places. Boy. What's that? He's a Georgia boy. Georgia boy, he is. He was converted to the Athens church. Yeah, he was. Oh, is it really? Okay. And, uh, and so his mom ended up coming to our church. She's from Georgia. She's awesome. And so, yeah, he could have gone back down south. Actually, they just um, dedicated his high school field to his name. And so he's looking. He was looking in the south. He was looking in other areas to live in. And uh, all of a sudden, they drove out one day, put an offer on a house in Pullman, and they came back. So, you know, I mean, I'm like, amen. But after everything settled, I was like, hey, so like, <laughs> why are you back? You know, we lost a lot of people in COVID. I mean, our church was, we lost half the church. People graduating, moving, couldn't find jobs. Dude, we're a small church. It's like, why are you back? And he said, 
we can't find the relationships we have anywhere else. Relationships. I think about your church, you know, with the Lauterbox leaving. That's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough. But you got an opportunity to have a great experience with Jesus and deepen your relationships. And he can do stuff where, like, people might have to step up and do stuff they've never done. You can do that with Jesus. It'll be an awesome experience. So how are your relationships right now? Are they deep? Do you spend time? Are they undistracted? Because all that comes from our union with Jesus. And I want to encourage you that, hey, things might be challenging at times. You're going to miss Daniel. Daniel's a heck of a preacher. You're going to miss Stacy. You're going to miss Joel running around. Jesus will clear things up. He has a way of doing that. The most important thing, right, when things do get tough, is sitting at Jesus' feet and having real relationships with one another. Amen? Amen. So that will be my prayer for you guys. Um, and I, I just want to encourage you, too, that the only reason I'm in ministry is because our mission team didn't have leaders. And so I was like the Bad News Bears B team person. And they're like, hey, we don't have anyone else to do it. Like, we're talking to you. Can you do it? And I was like, well, probably not. But if Matt goes, he'll help. And I'll call some other people and we'll do our best. And our prayer was make it through one year. It's been seven and a half. And by God's grace, we're still able to do ministry. So you never know what God will do in tough situations. And something great will come from it. All right, guys, I've, I've gone very long. I'm going to close out the time. But what I want to do is um, I'm going to pray for communion. And before that, this idea of portion, the Lord being our portion, I'm going to read three scriptures that include that. And I want to ask you to just close your eyes and listen to the word of God. Amen. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. You are my portion, Lord. I have promised to obey your words. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God, we thank you for the examples of Martha and Mary, God. Sometimes we can be like Martha, sometimes Mary, sometimes both. Thank you that Jesus loved them to teach them in the same way that you taught the Israelites in the desert, God, in the same way that you're allowing us to learn lessons as disciples today. And Father, please give us the strength and the courage to make sitting at your feet our portion and important to us. Help what we do in our acts of service in this community come from a place of our loving union with you. God, help our relationships and the relationships in this room to strengthen and grow and have that born out of an outflowing of our loving union with you. God, we thank you for the amazing things you've done in our life, the amazing things you are doing, and the things you will do. We thank you for Jesus loving us and choosing to go to the cross as we take the bread that was broken, uh, that represents the body that was broken on our behalf, and the juice, God, that represents the blood that was shed for the atonement of our sin. God, we are so grateful. And let us be undistracted and sit at your feet. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.